Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Monday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Dennis Dick, Joel O'Connor here, but he's not, but he'll be back in just a second. He had to step away. We were trying to uh, catch uh, Joel's wife on the radio just now, but I I think we may have missed it, guys. Anyway, hope you all had a great weekend. We're back. It's Monday. It's an exciting start to the week. It's the end of the quarter. Don't forget. We got a jobs number on Friday. Lots of stuff to talk about this morning. Big news for Monday morning, though, is out of the biotech sector. Big news on the gene editing front. Historic news, actually, on the gene editing front. We will talk about that. It's moving the whole healthcare sector this morning. We will talk about that. We will talk about Boeing. We will talk about the Russell rebalance on Friday, I'm sure. Dennis was getting down and dirty in some stocks at the close on Friday. He will tell us all about it on today's show. Two guests on the docket. First up, Tim Quas will join us as he does every Monday at 8.35 for Market Structure Mondays. And at 9, we'll have Matt Hammond from IPO Warriors who will preview the week in IPOs. I know we have Krispy Kreme on on the schedule this week. Uh, Before we proceed, go ahead and drop us a like if you can. We would greatly appreciate that. Smash the like. Smash the subscribe. You know how you do. Here is Joel. And Joel, how are we doing this morning in the pre-market trading session? Uh, just up a tad. We're up a buck. It's 72 and a quarter. Little movement overnight. Crude down a dime at 73.95. Uh, gold, that's down again. Hanging out too long under 1,800 here. Down 280 at 17.75. Let's call it just silver flat at 28.13. Excuse me. I wish it was 28.13. 26.13. Bitcoin rally overnight. Up 1840 at 34,000, that 35k level looming just like the 40k. And Ethereum's having a good morning, that's up 142 dollars. The futures that is at 2004. Dennis, how was your uh, your Friday close? Was it fun? It was interesting, it, it wasn't as many fireworks as you'd think. It looked like like most of the action actually happened about two to three minutes before the close because there were some wicked, huge imbalances in different stocks. But most of them paired off in the last few seconds. Yeah. But if you look, like Alibaba for one, um, I've got five or six written down here that had big moves. Alibaba started ripping, had a huge buy imbalance. It started ripping with about 10 minutes to go, really. 
225, you can see it in 226, 227, 228. And I had the swing on. We knew I'm long in the long-term account, kept the long-term shares. But I had the swing on that I bought three days ago, 213. I'm like, I'm just going to throw this thing out there just under 230. And if it gets silly, um, I'm going to, you know, I'm obviously going to get executed on about five, seven minutes later. That just kept ripping up and I actually got done. So I did sell out of my Alibaba swing. Um, I tried shorting the stock too on that. It came in a little bit, but um, it's already kind of coming back up. So just, uh, you know, those are just short-term trades. Um, and then you had UNH had another big move too. So if you bring up the chart of UNH, you can see it. With about five, seven minutes to go, the huge buy imbalance. People are like, oh, this thing's going to gap up huge. Um, went 404, 405, 406, 407, 408, 409. Went all the way up to almost 410. And then they pulled the rug out from under. The imbalance flipped and everybody got caught. And the <laughs> thing actually gapped down. So, you know, these things are funny. That's why, you know, I'm always the liquidity provider into it. I bought on on the close. I did get filled on a huge a few names. I got long rig, R I G on the close. Um, but then that came out with some insider buying after hours, so I've already sold that. Um, I basically have sold out of almost all my trades. Desktop metals was another one. I bought that on the close. It was running down and gapping down. And it's already back up, so I've already flipped out of that too. They were pretty much all winners, the fade trade. But there wasn't a ton of uh, fills, though. Like a lot of stocks, it was a lot of crickets, really, to be honest. Like of the deletes and of the ads, you know, you can bring them up. Like, you know, we talked Nikola was an ad. You know, had Palantir getting added. There really wasn't much movement in those stocks at all. So it was random. There was a few movement. Monster uh, Beverage, MNST, had a huge spike right before the close because it looked like it was going to gap up, but then that didn't happen. It went up to 95 and came back down to 92. So there was some good movement for the fade traders. Fade trade wins again on Russell Rebalance. It seems to always win on Russell Rebalance Day. Yeah, some of those didn't sound like they were Russell Rebalance related, though. Those well, just- remember, it's just because they're ads and deletes, there's also adjustments, Joel. So you've got to think, you know, some, you know, are, are getting more shares to buy to sell. So everything is still adjusting because the market caps, because they're all in there. So just because they're not an ad or delete doesn't mean there's not buying okay. or selling pressure from the indexers. Because as, you know, a market cap has moved up, they might have to buy more shares. Or maybe, you know, it's crowded and they have to uh, sell more shares. So it's not always just the ads and deletes that are moving. Sometimes the mega caps are moving as well. And that's what we saw on Friday. We did see a lot of the mega caps moving. SoFi had a pretty big move too. I know we have a lot of SoFi traders, SOFI. That was getting hit all all day, really. Um, And you can see that might have been news related as well, though. But what I had, the big movers, I had UNH had like a six, seven point spike about two minutes before the close. Alibaba had a five point spike, which obviously took me out of my swing. And that took me out of my swing. You know, I was risking, what was it, three points, and I ended up making, I think, 17. So on that swing, so that one worked out really, really well. Um, Mon- again, I'm still long in the long-term account. Monster, MNST, Desktop Metals, uh, Rig. Th- those were kind of the main ones that I had written down. I know there was probably some other ones, if anybody in the chat knows of some other big movers that were just spiking on the close. But um, it was kind of a quiet rest yeah, rebound, game, to be honest. GameStop, Dennis, GameStop. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had GameStop written down too. GME. It had a huge spike into the close. So if you look, actually, it was around two hundred dollars with fifteen minutes to go, and it spiked ten bucks. So that one was actually getting, I believe, added. We did catch that one. We did. Yeah. There, we were trying to watch them on the one-minute charts. Yeah. And it was just, you know, and, and I separated all my charts and I made them all one minute, and I was like, it was like 
mishmash. It was really, really, you're right. Some of the moves were before. Yeah. Uh, Jean Sebastian is asking, uh, Dennis, what exactly do you mean by providing liquidity? Dennis, uh, pretty, uh, I can handle it, but it's just uh, when there's large imbalances and they advertise it, when they are lo- large buy imbalance, they're looking for sellers. And when they're looking for uh, a, a huge sell imbalance, they're looking for buyers. Yeah. They're looking for people. So if you want to give any more detail It's basically that, just can. fading fading the move more than anything. Like if you've got this huge spike, and that's exactly right, Joel. The reason they give these imbalances, the reason these are published on the floor at 350, it's, it's, it's actually... Um, it's 350 for the New York Stock Exchange and for the NASDAQ now when this numbers come out. But like we've talked before, you know, and, and we know um, you can get this information as early on the floor as two o'clock, they start showing up, at least the New York ones. So everybody kind of gets a pretty good feel. But when you see a huge buy imbalance, that's advertising to traders out there. They're advertising on the floor saying, we've got a huge buyer here. We need some help because the designated market maker on the floor doesn't want to take the other side of a million shares. So they are advertising and saying, look, there's a big buy imbalance here. We need some short sellers. So those short sellers will come and provide liquidity. So the thing doesn't just gap up, you know, enormously. The other, the other side is true too. Let's use rig as the example. Rig had a huge sell imbalance. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll provide liquidity into that. And I, what, how I do it is I use the LOC order, which is limit on close. So it's going to fill me on the closing print or it's not. And rig had been drifting down. Um, uh, for, for for the better part of the day, you can see, you know, close near the low of the day. So I threw out some shares to buy it. I think I was as high as like 448 and I had some different levels and it didn't get executed at all, but I did get a fill on one order um, at 444 at the close. So big sell imbalance is showing that saying, hey, we've got huge sellers in here. We need some buyers. So I come in here with an LOC or saying, okay, I'll provide some liquidity. If it wants to gap down the close, I'm willing to take a chance that it's probably going to come back up after hours or into Monday because these moves are often faded. So I put an LOC buy out there, limit on close buy. I think I had it at 448, one of my orders, and I got filled at 444. So like I said, Rick had, you know, lucky, you know, it's just, that's just kind of BS luck. There's a headline from an SEC, from the SEC filings um, where they had a buyer and inside, some inside buying there and the stock was already trading up. So I actually just flipped out of it at 465. I sold some late Friday night and I sold the rest of 465 this morning. And also, and I talk about this with, uh, on these imbalances, you're also advertising to people that are maybe long this stock. Like, you, you know, not necessarily wanting yeah, to be an evil short, you know, selling into the imbalance. And that's why, you know, when you talk, we look at these rebalances and what stocks going in and out, you never know how many large investors, you know, big liquidity, right? Uh, yeah. a, a big moment, uh, price discovery at, 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 you know, extreme levels that use that as well. But, um, and yeah. I think we're joking. Some people think you hear evil short and they're listening to the show for the first time. They think we're against Sorry short sellers. That. I'm a short yeah. seller. That's a joke. We're all market makers. Uh, uh, the people on this show, no short selling provides a very valuable service to the market. Um, we're not talking about naked shorting. We're talking about just the regular short selling. The majority of your market's liquidity. And we can have, you know, we're going to have, Obviously, uh, Tim, come on here and we can talk to him about that too. But short selling is an essential part to liquid markets. Without short selling, you wouldn't have liquidity, meaning you would have to pay a lot more to get your stock. So, and just the example, huge buy imbalance on the close for UNH. What happens? The shorts come in, they offer liquidity there, and the stock doesn't gap up huge. So that buyer, that institutional buyer or that index buyer that needs to buy doesn't have to pay 
for 25 for his shares. In the absence of short sellers, he would have to pay a lot more. He or she would have to pay a lot more. It doesn't gap up that much because you've got short sellers providing liquidity to the market. That's what short selling does, and that's why it's essential. And we saw that again back during the financial crisis when they um, when they financial. got rid of short selling for three weeks, and this, and, the, and there was no liquidity on the banks, and they were chopping up all over the place. They realized they made a mistake very quickly, and three weeks later, they put short selling back on the financials because like, this is just screwing up the markets. Short selling in the, is is how market makers provide liquidity to the market. That's right. Uh, all right, let's talk about the big news of the day here. Uh, we do. It, it's on the CRISPR front. Let me show you the press release that came out actually over the weekend. It was Saturday morning. I'll bring it up on my screen here, okay? Uh, there's a lot of words here. I'm going to highlight the important ones for you, okay? Intelia Therapeutics, ticker NTLA. Let's just skip right to the quote here, the money quote at the top of the press release. These are the first ever clinical data suggesting that we can precisely edit target cells within the body to treat genetic disease with a single intravenous infusion of CRISPR. That's the money quote right there. <laughs> they have some positive data. It's phase one data, so it's early yet, but still, as the as the uh, CEO of Intelli says, it's the first ever data basically saying that, that we can do this. First time they've ever edited genes inside the body. In this case, it, it was the liver, and they edited some protein cells to stop uh, producing protein, basically. And uh, NTLA, Regeneron, those are who are working on the drug together, but there's also a bunch of CRISPR names, and they're all trading up this morning on this headline, uh, or the news, I should say, that was published over the weekend in the New England wow. Journal of Medicine. There's just so many that are trading up. If I go to my yep. up filter right now, the big yep. up filter, and look, right at the top is NTLA, which we just talked about, but basically the majority of the stocks in my up filter our gene um, editing stocks, RSLS, I don't follow that one, but I'm assuming it's probably gene therapy because it's trading up 20% unless it has its own headline. But like Life said, Sciences. Beam is up there. Yeah, life, life Sciences. You've got Edit, E-D-I-T trading up in the pre-market. CRISPR, which we've already talked about, is trading up uh, 12% here in the pre-market. I mean, it's across the board. It's all the stocks that are trading, like 80% of them, not the ones that are trading up, are for the most part... Um, gene therapy stocks so there's a pile of them so this whole sector is moving this morning it's moving enough that the xbi is trading up substantially too first thing i came in i was like whoa xbi is up big what you know i'm thinking what pharmaceutical company got taken over that it's up so much but it's this whole gene therapy obviously that's making the stocks trade significantly higher because when you see spy flat and xbi trading up one and a half percent you're like okay something's happened in pharma land all these charts look the same. They're all like just busting gapping out. Up. Yeah, but they're capping up, but it looks like they're bid. I mean, oh, yeah. Saying, they're yeah, bid up yeah, here. Yeah, they're bid up here. So fifty-eight dollars. Uh I mean the only thing you know, the only thing you could do is just note the pre-market highs on these things and see if it takes it out. I mean, this thing is uh NTLA's doubled, current high. 144. What no, was the pre market high? Yeah, uh, 144. Oh, we're hanging up there. So, yeah. Not so, I mean, back. No, backed off five bucks. Uh, but man, that's nothing considering, you know, it's sad, you know, and you can see the last, uh, it's just been marching up since 115. So, if you have some potential targets here, take it. Uh, if not, just let the baby run. What, what was the other one? You said CRSP? Yeah, CRISPR is up big on this, CRISPR. too. Up 12%. 
Yeah. Oh, I guess just watch your leader on this, Dennis. Wouldn't that be the yeah. – they all yeah. have their own individual characteristics. Is it bad for anybody? Uh, ALNY is trading down this morning. I, I think they're a competitor to to um, uh, Intellia, but – A-N-L-Y? A-L-N-Y. Oh, I'm sorry. A-L-N-Y. Did I say that wrong? A-L-N-Y. Yeah, I was thinking of Allen E. Capital. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. No, so I, I, my, I, I think they're a competitor to to uh, um, Intelia, which is which is why they're trading, trading lower here. But that's the that's the one. There aren't really aren't many. Chat uh, giving us some smaller ones. NVTA coming from Proton yeah. in the chat. PACB. I mean, you're going to see a lot of little movement, in, especially some of these smaller ones as well. I didn't see twenty thirty percent movement, but everybody kind of jumping on the sympathy trade to a certain extent here. Um, and and this is. It, um, what exactly does this drug do again? Like you read okay. me, but it's so uh, much. There's, there's so you. much pharma talk in there. Yeah. Uh, so essentially, what happened is they injected this drug into inside into people who have this this uh, this like protein disorder, uh, transthyrin amyloidosis, which which uh, causes like nerve damage and things like that. And what the drug was able to do is it it stopped the the thing about this this disorder is is your your cells just produce extra protein that that blocks just screw, screw things up right um and this this injection stopped these cells from producing the protein the problematic protein in the first place right uh inside the liver right so they essentially changed the cells activity um so again sounds like it did what it's supposed to do it did what it's supposed to do, right? And, it, and again, first time it's ever been done inside of a, of a human before. Right. right? That's why so, it's so big for all these companies. Right. Uh, and Chad, I saw somebody mention ARC-G. There's a, yep. there's a lot of ETFs, everyone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of these ETFs. But this Kathy, one genomic I, revolution is going to benefit tremendously from this because she's got a lot of these stocks in her portfolio. She has a few. She has a few. I can give you a bunch more ETFs. A lot of them are not super liquid, so... Yeah. Be careful, but obviously we know ArcG is very liquid. Yeah. Um, you, you can throw uh, ARKK in there while you're at it because that also has CRISPR in it, I believe. Yeah, uh, it's up two and a half percent. One, the one that comes to mind is uh, is um, Genome G N O M. Yeah. Right. That's uh, that's a big one. Yeah. Um, there's there's uh, a okay. trading up four point three percent. Yeah. Um, How's this one? Not super liquid. I'm trying to find like more liquid ones. Um, IDNA, the iShares Genomics Immunology. Yeah, find. I'm trying to find one that. that one that yeah, these are very. Those ones. Yeah. Some of these are very liquid, so you got to be careful. Yeah. Like just all of a sudden paying up because you don't have the liquidity there. Right. I mean, what that means is not short sellers, and they're helping to provide yeah. liquidity in some of these. Things. So you can go broad and go like BBH, which is just the Van Eck. Biotech ETF, right. that, that one's got more volume, right? Yeah. Uh, obviously, IBB, XBI, you guys know those. Yeah. Um, th- those are some of the larger ones, uh, the more liquid ones th- that I can find. Um, but there are a lot. There are a lot of them out there. Um, yeah, some of the sympathy plays might be interesting, you know, if you can get them on the cheap. But, you know, when you got a stock gapping up 50%, like NTLA, I never buy it. So I never chase up stocks. Some people make good money chasing stocks. Again, it's not my style. I don't like taking risk like that. And when you're buying something of 47 points, it could give 10 points back in a heartbeat. And you're It'd like, how, and, and how do you, and how do you control the risk? Where is your out? You know, where, what are you saying? You know, where is my defined out? Maybe you're looking at a pre-market lower or something, you know, maybe there's some different ways, but 
I kind of use whatever what Joel was just saying is I use NTL as my leader to trade the other ones. So if NTLA is your leader, you leave it on your screen. If it starts rolling over, then some of these other ones might start rolling over too. So again, you know, it's going to be you know, like just like with space, you can't always just fade everything. You know, I thought you know I said when space was forty eight dollars in the pre market on Friday, I was like I'd be ringing the register. It's up another 10 bucks here. So, I mean, it's continued to go. I would still be ringing the register, but right now the story is hot again. You know, I'm thinking space is going to stall out maybe at the all-time high at 62.80, but, you know, it's hot as hell. Crazy number you know, headline there. that, you know, we probably knew was going to come eventually, um, you know, is, is the driver here. But that's all that matters. And when a, st- a stock gets hot, it's all about story. And the space story is hot again. What about, too, I mean, what about halts in these things, too, right? You can They're, get some, yeah, yeah if the volatility, you, they get the, the, uh, uh, the limit sure, up, limit down volatility some, halts. Sure, I mean, for sure, won't there be uh, some halts at NT? Well, I guess it's I guess it's now the stepped up, right, because they'll do it based on the opening price, but yeah. there's still going to be. There you could know. be. I mean, when you you kind of got a lot of price discovery that's already happened here because you're not seeing this thing chop around 10% every five minutes yeah, made, going into they, it. They made so, up their mind. And remember, so for the limit up, limit up, limit up, limit down halts, it's different. We can look up the rules and we can bring those up for you. I'm just going off my memory. But some stocks are 3%. Some stocks are 5%. I think some stocks are 10%. 10%. That's what I was so, thinking. So yeah. and that it's over a five-minute period. So basically what triggers these volatility halts, and we've never really talked about it, is if there's a sudden movement. So it's 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 always cycling on five minutes. So if you get like a 10, if it's a 10% or stock, and it moves 10% in five minutes. They halt the stock for five minutes to allow liquidity providers and people to digest news. And then they reopen it. And what you see on some small caps sometimes is something comes out during the day and it wants to go up 50%. It quickly runs up 10 halts. Quickly runs up another 10, has to halt again. Quickly runs up another 10 and has to halt again, which is completely annoying. There's no volatility pauses during the pre-market. That's why you don't see any of the stuff. But during the regular session, there is. So when news breaks during the regular session, and it's major news, like if this NTLA news would have broke during the regular session, halt, you would have seen halt, it trade up you know, to the, to the pause and then trade up again to the pause, trade up again to the pause. And what that does is it really is just impeding price discovery. And I've argued when you have material news, that they should widen those bands. Um, you know, I've, I've said that to regulators as well. Uh, but you know, it's tough. I mean, they're, 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 the purpose for the bands is to reduce volatility, is really what it is. But when you have a news event, the volatility is warranted because this price wants to correct to where it wants to go. Yeah, and then a lot of times you see limit up, halt, limit up, halt, limit up, halt. You know, limit down, halt, limit down, halt. You know, a lot of times you get them when they get overdone. But uh, the news came out. You're right. I mean, it looks like a very orderly market right now. I mean, considering how much the move was. Don't know what the short interest in this. So if the short, if, I mean, if if you're short and stuff, and then if there's anything, biotechs, man. I mean, you don't know. You just don't know. And this is exactly what can happen. You know, good trials, uh, whatever, and, uh, you know, the results. But right now, I, you got an orderly market. And I'll just go back over the last hour, and I could say 15 minutes support at 135 and resistance at 144. So let's see what uh, it can do in between that. And then- the fact that you guys both noted that there there are bids, like these stocks are all ripping here, and there are bids still. 
right? Oh yeah, this isn't just a one-off. Like right. this is like now, you know, people are in, investors are looking at this as new news, and they're coming in, and you know, it's fairly tight. I'm looking at NTLA one thirty-seven fifty, one thirty-eight to one thirty-nine. I mean, it's forty fifty cents wide. The thing just went forty-nine bucks. You want to get out of some stock? You can. It is, you know, fairly that's a, liquid. That, that's but a good market. Yeah, there's 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 some liquidity in there. If you need to get okay. out, you can get out. Okay. It's wild. Trade through. What's the trade already on TLA? Let's look at the volume. Uh, it's already traded uh, a million shares. Million shares. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. probably a typical day for that stock. Yep. Yep. Exactly right. Okay. Uh, so that is your big news of the day uh, in the biotech healthcare land. There really isn't isn't that much else going on this morning. Um, there's a, a few stocks in chat that I promise we will get to um, at one point or another during during this hour uh i wanted to look at uh tesla real quickly just because they announced a, a, another recall actually no this might be the same recall um they've been having some problems in china for for a minute here and um it might be just a continuation of the same headline um i think well somebody in the chat was pointing out that uh, whenever i say sell it's usually good for another day well that wasn't the case in tesla because i said i would sell it just under that 700 so i got the top i called the top almost perfectly on this one so there's an example of when well, i'm not always you know. don't waste your time with them anyways okay so there's always the haters the haters right yeah, so um it is 700 we talked i don't even know why they're in mitch here. was listening to the show he sold his tesla in the 690s like a good boy because he's listening to the show <laughs> good um, boy it's I'm 670 Mitch, that was that was that was nice. That perfect entry and the perfect exit. Mitch almost had the perfect trade on that Tesla. He got in at six oh six and he sold at six ninety. We're gonna get it back down to six thirty. We're gonna get it back down at six thirty. Guess what? I think you've got major resistance up there at seven (laughs) hundred. I don't know if you're gonna get down on the way to six thirty, but I think it could see six fifty. So I do think you've got sellers now lining up that are like, "Ooh, did I miss my out?" So I don't think it's as easy sailing right through seven hundred here, but it has pulled back thirty dollars. Around 650, it starts to get a little more interesting. The 50% retracement of this uh, recent move. So I don't easy. Know get maybe get around. a gap fill here. First things first. I mean, you had to gap up. You got a gap between 67, 61, and 57, 20. So I think anybody that got caught in that little gap up day on Thursday. I mean, how many times do you see it? I mean, it'll fill the gap. It'll come back. It filled, finally filled the gap, small gaps on the upside that it had. And uh, uh, then you work your way into that bar. But first things first for today, uh, support. I call it support. And it's 13 bucks away from there, too. And it's only down a buck 37 on this news. So it's not exactly like people are rushing for the exits. The only thing that's a little different is where on uh wednesday and thursday and also for part of friday you were you were selling in strength right which is much easier to get those those offers lifted as opposed like right now you could be a little bit maybe people got oh man i can't believe i bought that near 700 on thursday mm. and a little bit of selling on weakness but i like that 657 10 number on the downside in tesla uh, real fast, uh, Scarjo Rabbit uh, said, uh, in Europe, we can buy the Vanek Bitcoin Ethereum ETNs. Could you explain an ETN to a dummy? Essentially, an ETN is like an ETF, but with a bond component to it. The biggest thing about an ETN that you got to know is that you are subject to the credit worthiness of the underlying bank uh, that, that, that provides the ETN, right? So ETNs are liable to blow up because if the underlying bank their credit gets downgraded or whatever then your etn might be in trouble but other than that they're basically the you same. got a credit risk involved right there's credit risk but other than the credit risk 
and maybe some. You don't see very many of them blow up, though. So um, you know, it's not it's not common. No, it's not common. But it but it, but it can happen. It can happen, right? Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, and then what about Boeing here this morning? Because Boeing had another headline. The FAA said that they, it would be uh, at least the middle of next year <sighs> when they get when Boeing will get the uh, approval for the seven seven the seven 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 X. Is was what they're trying to get approval for certification, and it won't be it won't be before the middle of next year, is what the FAA said. The reopening trade has been on pause here for about a month. I mean, it just got overdone, and you know it's pulled in. I like I said recently, I've been trying to add some of the reopening stocks. Boeing is interesting to me as well, um, but you know I was looking at American Airlines at this twenty-two level that just is holding. Oh, holding, is this holding. still holding there? Yeah, but it's been here too long now. So I tried to buy it on like day two, and I didn't get filled. Now it's like I could get it right here, but because it's been here six, seven days, it makes me look like. It's almost consolidation to go lower at this point in time. They don't like it to allow you to buy the bottom <laughs> seven days in a row. If it's making seven-day lows all in the same area, usually it actually takes it out. You might get a cut-through rally trick like a, the Gil Morales, but um, or what's he called? I call it the cut-through and rally, but he was undercut. calling it the, the undercut and rally. I'm going to get that wrong forever now. I guess I missed my window period for that, but. 2184, 2182. I mean, you do have a stop out there on American Airlines, and it's holding well. Support is support until it's broken. But when it hangs out here for six, seven days, it makes me think that it's probably going to cut through it just to stop out everybody who's leaning on it. Yeah, they're canceling flights, too. Uh, They did it last week, and then they talked about cutting uh, 1% of their flights in July. I think the staffing. It was staffing and maintenance issues, so I think that put a little crimp. I sure hope my flight coming up next month is not in that 1%. But uh, 22, he mentioned that. The stock we were talking about was Boeing, Mm -hmm. and that's trading near the lows of the pre-market session. Boy, this is a tough one. Looks like it's rolling over once again, but uh, you can only use you know shorter term targets. It has not taken out. Uh, there's two lows in the 243 handle. Uh, that's still two bucks away, so they don't seem to be too scared of that news. So split those, call it 43 and a half. Haven't even come anywhere near that. Um, on the upside, I'm sure a lot of people would like to see that close of 48.38. And uh, also last week's high, that came on Friday at 52.30. So not a big reaction to the news, but that seems like a long time, not till the middle of 22. But, uh, uh, you know, Boeing has shrugged off bad news before. Let's see if it can do it again today. S&P's just creeping up near the high of the session here. Uh, We're up four and a half handles, 75.75. We did did make a new high overnight. At uh, seventy eight, seventy five, or seventy eight and a half. So that's our our target on the upside. I mean, we've come this far, this fast, but maybe think about forty three hundred. We do have uh, the end of the quarter on Wednesday, so dressing up and dressing down your portfolios, and then jobs number on Friday ahead of a three day weekend. Not much on the earnings front. Uh, let's take a brief pause here, Dennis. I got to ask you about this. I'm sure. not sure. Maybe you can help help us understand what what this picture is here. This is from a press release this morning from Cheetos. Um, leaves. It, how do you pronounce the word? Is it fuelles? Uh, I don't say French. French. <laughs> Even though everybody thinks Canadians. It, these French are ma- maple leaf shaped Cheetos that also taste like ketchup. Canadian Cheetos. Canadian Cheetos. And. That's kind of cool. Sure. Catch up. This is for Canada Day, I would assume. Should I be, should I be going long Pepsi, Pepsi on this, or, or what? <laughs> I don't know if the, if the maple leaf ketchup treat Cheetos, but those are cool. 
Canada Day coming up in a couple of days, so it's exciting. So I'm assuming that's what they've got these ketchup uh, Cheetos for when the so Canadian flags for Canada you want, Day. You have no you interest. Want a, you want to buy Pepsi on this? I want to short it on this. <laughs> on half Canadian. Who the hell's going to eat those? That's he's half I'm Canadian, Joel, and he likes to pretend he's not. <laughs> no, I'm just making fun of Pepsi. I think they're awesome. That's cool. I mean, they're trying stuff, right? So, yeah, I, patriotic I know, Cheetos. I know the word is French. I just don't know how to pronounce it. That's why. Well, I, well it, obviously, mean leaves. Yeah. So I don't get the anyway. leaves part. Oh, I guess because these are. Why wouldn't it's a Canadian flag? It's not really a leaf. I guess it is. A it's leaf, a maple but, leaf. Looks like. Yeah, a, I know. But why don't you call it like they're they're trying to go on the Canadian flag? So I would just like said July first Cheetos ketchup. Are, are they trying to co-op your culture, your Canadian culture? I guess these are all through the States, too, though. So I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I just saw the – Luke saw the press release this morning. That's cool. He thought it was funny. I'll right. go buy a pack. Yeah. Tell, tell you how they are. Yeah, tell us how they are. Yeah, uh, red and orange fingers, then, instead of just orange from the <laughs> Cheetos. <laughs> Joel calling it how it is. My kids are just going to be like a rainbow, their face with the red and the orange and all the other <laughs> – all right, uh, let's do one from... I love ketchup chips. I agree with the chat. John, ketchup chips are the best. Oh, it's pronounced foyer. Thank you. Foyer. There you go, foyer. Thank you, thank you, Ask the Canadian how to speak French, and he doesn't know how. <laughs> Not a real Canadian. But the Habs, the Habs are, yep, Stanley Cup final start tonight. Oh, man. Montreal Canadiens. Big week for you, huh? Not really, because um, I'm an Oilers fan, and I'm one of those Oilers fans that, well, if the Oilers can't win, I don't want anybody else to win either, so I don't really care. So I know we should care because Canadian team hasn't won the Stanley Cup since 1993 when Montreal won it last in 27 years. We don't worry about that, Dennis. It's all about the Lightning. Get it right. I, I, they're gonna have a real <laughs> rough time with the lightning. There's no doubt. Like, let's just put like I know there's some Canadians in the chat here, but this Montreal team has kind of figured out the playoffs, but they're riding price a little bit too. Like this was not a good team in the regular session. The team was twenty-four and thirty-two. Wow. They had a lot of overtime losses that got them into the playoffs. They were just limping in. But you know what? They're playing as a team. They're playing the style they need to to win. And, um, you know, they're forechecking like crazy. I know it's not a hockey show, um, but Price is playing really well. Price is looking like he's 25 years old again, right in his prime. So if Price, you know, can put up the 950 save percentage, they got a chance. Hey, you that's know what what's gonna, That's what's going to take, though. You know, they say Price doesn't lie. Okay. Yeah, I, I knew Price someone was going to lie. Price don't, Price don't lie. Price don't lie. Right. I don't even know who he is. <laughs> Come but on, Carey Price, one of the best goaltenders. But you know he doesn't lie. Carey Price. Carey Price. Did he, uh, did he take over? Who's the backup? Patrick Waugh? Yeah, he's okay. the Joel's kicking us back to the 80s. But, yeah. <laughs> Carey Price, excellent goalie. Montreal, hey, let's go. We'll, go. we'll cheer for them, though. Let's go Canadians. But I don't think that – I don't think they're going to beat the Lightning. All right. Let's bring on Tim Quast, the founder and CEO of Market Structure Edge for Market Structure Mondays. Tim, good morning, sir. <laughs> good morning, guys. Boy, you cover it all. Now, today oh, is hockey. Too. Yeah, it's, uh, that's uh, Stanley Cup Finals. Wide, yeah. diverse uh, base of knowledge in this ketchup group. chips, <laughs> ketchup Cheetos. It's not we talk at all. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and then uh, we bring on you for our market structure expertise. What's up? It's, uh, well, it's uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's another Monday followed by a weekend in uh, Steamboat Springs, where uh, yesterday afternoon a bear uh, walked across the river in the downtown Steamboat Springs. And uh, 
I, right, you just never know what you're gonna what you're gonna see. And uh, unlike much of the country, it's been chilly and wet in Steamboat uh, uh, the last few days. It was maybe 65 degrees yesterday, and so this bear uh, was uh, was it, it, like, very reticent to step into the water. But the it, but but the bear crosses the river, and there are 10 or 15 people watching. I got some some good video of it, and the river is the Yamper River. And here's the funny part. So the bear, you know, is not bothered at all by any of us uh, watching him cross the river. And he comes up the other side. And then one of the uh, the young local gendarmes <clears throat> pulled up in a police car and got out and the bear went cops and took off running. So even the bear knows that uh, it's all fun and games until the police show up. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> the bear is running from the cops. He's not bothered by anybody else, but the nobody but, else. But the police show up, and he's out of here. That's it. That's it. Yeah, it was. Uh, how I thought, that bear, I thought bears were extinct. I thought they uh, were in this market. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. They're they they are when it comes to market structure. That's that's uh, absolutely right. But uh, but they're alive and well and roaming about in steamboats. So. Uh, that's good. I you guess. let us know if they start to come out in, in, in numbers here, and we'll start to really get uh, we'll start right. to really lighten up our portfolio. <laughs> Tim, no, I, I saw that you, you wanted to talk about uh, saw your email and stuff, and yeah, you know, I don't, I mean, I, I don't want you to have to stoop too low for the <gasps> content on our show for our audience or anything. So, <laughs> but uh, go ahead, uh, take it away with your your research. Uh, so well, I, and by the way, I did a, a Benzinga boot camp over the weekend. Yeah, I was, was going to mention that. And, a nice job. Thank you very much. Well, uh, you know, don't let it get back to Andrew Lebos, but we had well over a hundred people uh, subscribe to uh, Market Structure Edge through that. Oh, nice. So I, I, I hope something was was beneficial out of that, and uh, uh, it, we. I I'll hit a couple of things later in the program about that, but uh, it, one, because I want to break some news here. Ooh, on, we like uh, breaking news. Benzing a pre-market prep. We love at, breaking news. Which no, I don't think anyone has figured out. Not that we're, you know, it's not that we're geniuses, but we know a lot about market structure and uh, we, we spend a lot of time looking at the data. The big thing last week, Joel, to answer your question about where things are, uh, it was, of course, the conclusion of the Russell rebalances. So the, for those right. who, are, who are fairly new to the markets, uh, the, there are index rebalances that occur periodically. The S&P uh, Standard & Poor's, Dow Jones, S&P is a combination now. Uh, they will generally do quarterly rebalances. So those occurred uh, a, a week ago, June 18th. Uh, then MSCI will do periodic rebalances, and uh, and then you have FTSE Russell. So the the uh, you know the London Stock Exchange owns the Russell indices now. But you, when you put these groups together, plus the Nasdaq and some others, but people don't realize this: there are over two million global index products, and those things wow. rebalance. And so yeah. it's crazy, right? There there are way number. way more indexes than there are underlying products, which That's tells crazy. you that there, there's a lot of overlap. So um, with the US uh, equity market now, very near 50 trillion in, in market cap, uh, when you rebalance uh, those instruments, it's a big deal. 
And uh, in the in the Russells, the cutoff now, this is the thing that I found extraordinary, that the cutoff between the Russell 1000, which, and it's a simple market cap index, folks. They're, they just rank the top thousand. So to make it into the top thousand, you have to have market cap of 5.2 billion. So, which was a 73% increase from 2020, by the way, when the bar was about Oh, that's something. Yeah, it's it's really something. So so that's where the money is. It, it about ninety five percent of market cap is in the Russell one thousand. Right. And the Russell two thousand is only about five percent, give or take. You know that can fluctuate, but about five percent of market cap. And uh, of course, we've got four companies that have a trillion dollars of market cap now. So uh, Google joined that group, but Amazon, Microsoft, and Apple. Facebook, by the way, is closing in 968 or so billion dollars. That means if they add $12 a share, they're in that group if, wow. you know, at a price of about 341 and a half right now. So it's just interesting that five, almost $5 trillion of market cap is in five stocks. And what does yeah. this mean to you traders? Well, it's what we talked about on, uh, we always talk about this, that it's about supply and demand that stocks move on the basis of supply and demand. So you want to know where these things reside. And uh, there are a couple of uh, the, the, the so-called meme stocks that the Reddit mob has, has uh, chased. And I, I hope some of the, you folks are, are listening to the Benzinga pre-market prep show because you'll learn more about how things work. So AMC did not make it into the Russell 1000, even though its market cap is 27 billion and the cutoff is 5.2 billion. And you would say, well, how could that be? Why would AMC be excluded? Well, because they benchmarked it. They, this is the, most people don't realize this. They benchmarked May 7, and they changed that date every year. And then there proceeds a period of, uh, of rebalance activity. A lot of that occurs in the month of June because they don't want to cause big ripples in the marketplace. And so GameStop made it because its market cap at May 7 was above 5.2 billion. Mm -hmm. And AMC's was 4.8 billion. Just Interestingly, passed. and you look at AMC, it went from $2.01 per share to start the year to $54.06 where it closed Friday, a gain of 2,590% and yet it's still in the Russell 2000. So all of this stuff, folks, it's, it's important to understand the market that you're gonna trade in. You oughta know. And about $11 trillion of assets had to reshuffle. Uh, that's all the money pegged to these indices uh, to, to reflect how the, how the indexes are now comprised. And it's just really interesting. I want to show you something, actually. I'm going to share my screen. Hey, uh, Tim, what, what, yeah. well, just before you do that, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so they don't care if companies make money, right? I mean, basically... Right. Is what it's yeah i mean it's, so it's to all me, based on market cap yeah, yeah it's all based on market cap so like Correct. i was looking at some of these companies and we were going through right. them and i mean you know i don't want to be like an s&p snob or anything but <laughs> i mean some of these companies are just horrible and and they're never going to make money a lot of i mean do companies ever like come in one quarter and then go out the next quarter i mean i looked at All like some, yeah well, no, I mean, well in the yearly well, not, not yeah yearly. in the year in the, in the yearly, yearly i mean i don't know i mean how much faith can i, I don't know 
I, I, that's just me. I mean, I, I know S and P has their criteria making money right. for quarters in a row. So there's no criteria that all market cap. Market cap. Wow. It's all market cap. Well, and you're shaking it, my head. Joel, it's a, well, it's a very good point, but it goes back to the, the changing nature of the equity market. You know, if you go back to, to uh, when I started uh, back, uh, when I started in this profession back in the 1800s, because I'm uh, getting old. Are uh, you uh, older than Joel? Everybody's <laughs> 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 older than Joel. <laughs> the, so, so, uh, so 1995, you know, 1995, 90% of assets under management at institutional firms were actively managed, meaning they were considering the things, Joel, that you're talking about. Uh, there was a, a distinct focus on whether businesses were performing well, and that you would look at. Uh, uh, you know, revenue and, and margins and net income, those are the, that's the stack and all the other factors that come into play, your return on invested capital, your return on assets, all those sorts of things. But that considers stocks to be stories. Uh, today, stocks are also products. There is a product that people need. Uh, if I'm running a, uh, a target date, a 2040 target date fund that has a mix of bonds and equities and so on, uh, what I care about is a product that will deliver me a return relative to a benchmark. Maybe it's the S&P 500. Uh, and what, how those companies perform is far less significant than whether those instruments that I, I want to own are properly tracking a benchmark. That becomes the 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 sole consideration for an index investor. An index investor does not care how a company performs financially. They care whether this stock is within 2% of the benchmark. I want no more than 2% variance. By the way, that's about what intraday volatility is. And the more volatile something is, the less helpful it is to me as an index investor because it will vary from the index and I want to track the benchmark. And that, Joel, is why these the uh, market cap becomes more significant than underlying fundamental performance. The more of that product I can get, the better. And the market craves them. This is why we tell public companies on the corporate side of our business, you need to figure out how to get yourself over that bar. Why? Well, if you're going to be a public company, your job is to create shareholder value. And that doesn't mean telling your story to more investors. It means making your product appealing to what the money is doing. And so if you have 500 million in market cap, you need to figure out how to create 5 billion in market cap by deploying shareholder assets effectively. And you need to think about being a product, not a story. That's the reality. Do I like it? I don't know. It is what the money's doing, right? And so traders, you have to know that too. It's your job to understand how the market works. I mean, ETFs are a driver. We've had this conversation with you right. too, Tim. I mean, right. they're the driver for everything, even to our, our, our trading is to a certain extent at Bright Trading. There's a right. lot of traders that are doing ETF arbitrage. And I mean, you've just got to know. And, you know, we, we look at these Russell days and we see these wicked moves, we fade them because they typically are going to come back in, you know, because ETFs got to move enough too. There's some opportunities even on those closes. But I mean, ETFs are driving everything. Um, you know, and, and even in the extreme example where I've looked at, you know, on these big days where you got Facebook gapping up, but the queues aren't up that much. And then they got to slam CSX and they got to slam the non-tech component of the queues to try to right. make up for the difference. You know, it's it's kind of messed up to think, oh, yeah, CSX was up because Facebook was up. Facebook was up too much. So CSX was down because of that. The media would never talk about that, but that's the ETF effects. 
You are absolutely right. And we track that data too. It, here, here, I'll give you three interesting data points around that. Cool. So if we look at uh, the 11 sector ETFs uh, year to date versus the composite stocks that make up those 11 sectors, the average stock is up 19%. The average sector ETF is up 20%. But the average variance, the standard deviation between those two, standard deviation, by the way, is 200 basis points between stocks and ETFs. But the average spread is 12%. Where it really stands out is staples. Consumer staples is way out of whack. So here's an arbitrage trade, people, if you want to look at the ETF versus the stocks. The average staple stock is up 18.8% year to date, and the staples ETF from State Street's up 7.4%. All right, wh what is going on? Well, their basket is wrong. The exactly. So there's a huge arbitrage opportunity just week over week. So you back up two weeks ago, remember, people forget the stock, the stock market was down about 3%. Uh, and so then it recovered 3% last week, roughly. But ETFs only recovered 2.4%. Yet another arbitrage trade. And I'm telling you, folks, the, the market makers run very sophisticated models, and they're very aware of where those ga gaps are. And it will influence what they do, just like you do, Dennis. You're going yeah. you to know, know where the gaps are and where the opportunities are. And that yeah. becomes a principal pursuit of the marketplace. And uh, traders, this is why we created Market Structure Edge. Uh, you can go there, marketstructureedge.com. We did this to arm you with that same data that the market makers are going to use, that you know the Citadels and Virtues and Two Sigmas and Quant Labs and Infiniums and GTSs of the world, maybe names that you've not heard of, but they're very successful, Jane Street. Jane Street, perhaps the most successful uh, high-speed trader and ETF market maker ever right now and uh, names you've never heard of. Well, they're doing that. They understand these things that we're talking about right here. Tim, uh, before we let you go, what what was the news you wanted to break? And um, if you had it, because I'm, I'm about to, if you're gonna do it, I'm, I've got a little. Okay, so you, you know, the, you need the little drum roll ahead of right. Breaking news here oh, on the Benzinga Pre-Market Prep Show. Yep. And it's this. There is a belief among the Reddit mob that the reason you can get stocks like GameStop and AMC and uh, Pick Clover Health, Pick Your Thing, uh, can move is because of short interest. It's a false correlation. Hmm. has nothing to do with it. It doesn't matter with this, whether there is high short interest or low short interest. What matters is whether there is supply in the market or not. And short interest does not determine that. Shorting is supply. So the absence of it is what creates movement in stocks. And those are the rules. I went through this with the, the boot this, camp folks. This is right. I, yeah. I took them right through. So you, you could apply it to anything. I'll even I'll even show you. So here I'm going to pull up the Benzinga June 28 uh, portfolio. This is for today, and and uh, I talked about this on the the, uh, the the boot camp that the the reason stocks move is because market makers must create shares to meet a surge in demand. I read the language straight from the SEC. I'm not making this stuff up. All right. The, the regulators want a continuous auction market of 100 shares at the bid, 100 shares at the offer. And what if they don't exist? 
I explained that if GameStop's shareholders own 100% of the outstanding stock and they neither buy nor sell, how is it possible for the stock to move? Well, because market makers manufacture stock, not because they can, but because the regulators require it. They must fill trades with stock. Well, they don't have to locate shares to short, they just create it. And that's how stocks rise. So take, let's take a Braxis Peak Corp right here. Here's a little energy company that is 50% short. And here's how it moves. When there is no supply, see this trend line here? When short volume drops below the trend line, the stock's gonna move. It has nothing to do with short interest. When stock, when the short buy moves above the, the trend line, now there's more supply and demand can't increase anymore, the stock's gonna go down and it did not rise further than here. And then it will happen again. Short volume drops below trend, price rises. Short volume rises above trend, price falls. And that's what happens. That's how it's all about supply and demand. So traders, re knowing this information, you can use it to your advantage. And market structure edge mob, I hope you use it to your advantage. I'm not saying that, that look, this is a very illiquid stock. It only trades, and we measure this, it only trades, uh, look at this. So it's 2.6, trend up, 50% short. It only trades $788 at a time. That's very risky. It'll create a lot of movement. Look at GameStop above that. It's, more ten, it's 10 times more liquid than is AXAS because it trades almost $9,000 at a time. Isn't that interesting? It's become a fairly liquid stock. But these are things you should know. You know, you, you can't, and you're, there are the rules. The rules say market makers are gonna have to manufacture stock. Stock. So if, if I try to buy something, for instance, I, you know, I bought, uh, I traded Virgin Galactic last week, made 15% on it. Uh, and I did it purely because of market structure. I didn't do it for any other reason. I don't gamble. I look at the supply and demand and I said, well, so supply is stable and demand's rising. What will the price do? It will rise. And so, but my trade, my I bought 100 shares. That's it. And it split into two trades. Both of them executed in dark pools. That told me immediately there is no supply in the market. I couldn't even fill 100 shares. And I showed, the, I showed my interactive broker's account to the folks at the boot camp to show that that's how that trade executed. And that is your breaking news. It is all about supply and demand. Short interest is a 1974 measure. It has nothing to do with it. It's a false correlation. Tim Quast is the founder and CEO of Market Structure Edge. You can always learn more about uh, uh, what he's saying on that platform. Uh, Tim, always a pleasure. Thanks a lot. Good to see you guys. I'll keep an eye out for bears. Yeah, yeah. you do that. <laughs> We're looking right. for them. There isn't a lot to be found around here, and nope. at least not in the New York market. I'll tell you that much. I agree, and I think it may be a good week. There, there could be a little turbulence June 30 because that's the end of the quarter, end of the yeah. month. There's a big futures contract that expires, but yeah. otherwise, the data say the market continues to rise. There's no question. jobs number on Friday too. Exactly. Yep. Right. yep. Have a good one, guys. Uh, good Tim. to see you. Right. Uh, let's do. Why? I, I just want to add yeah. to Tim's point there, and it is all about liquidity. Is absolutely right. I mean, what really makes these things self fulfilling to a certain extent when they start talking short squeeze is that you have, you know, no, you have the majority of traders when they start hearing about a potential squeeze saying, "I'm not short in this thing," so you're losing liquidity on the sell side. 
So if liquidity is actually dropping, you know, and you don't have any willing sellers to provide liquidity, the rise in demand will just push the price higher. So just that fear that, you know, and like me, like I normally short stocks, would I short AMC? Hell no. I'm not shorting AMC because they get run over in something like that. You know, there's market makers that have an obligation to come in and maybe they're going to have to manufacture the shares like Tim is saying that they have to. And they have the 35 days, which we've talked about before. But, you know, the majority of, of your liquidity providers might just say, no, nah, I don't have any. I, I don't have an obligation to short AMC. Why am I going to get run over in that thing? So liquidity on the sell side dries up. You don't have the sellers and you have a, a number of increased buyers. Price is going to rise. So he's right. So it's all to do with market mechanics. But when they start talking short squeeze, it's the absence of shorts that probably drives the price even higher. I think that's the point Tim was trying to make. Yep. And which he did well. All right. I'm not really sure why the chat keeps asking about Caterpillar. I there's I don't see any news. It's not even really moving. It's not like 60 cents this morning. It's not really moving. Um, maybe, maybe you guys saw something. Like I don't it, see anything. But I, I, I don't know why. There, there's been like a bunch of people asking about Caterpillar. So well, I mean, it, the stocks come off significantly. We've seen this rotation, which we've talked about in the last month. It's been rotation back into tech, back into growth tech, and out of the cyclicals and out of you know the banks. And you know we've seen this trade happening. So all that stuff seems to move together. Um, it's another day this morning where tech is outperforming here once again. I mean, you can bring up the QQQs and it's up. It's starting to come in a little bit from where it was an hour ago, but tech still very much outperforming today. And you seem to have these days where it's not like everything is going up and everything is going down it seems like you know and we know the di diamonds when you look at the dia and you look at um the dow there's a lot of cyclicals there's a lot of non-tech in that so you know you can quickly look and say oh nasdaq's up dow's down it's one of those growthy tech days so that's what we're seeing here this morning again these do cycle and they change intraday right now it's kind of more of a tech day still um but that's been coming in in the last hour but i watch these rotations it's how i make my money is watching rotations and um, Caterpillar has been out of favor here. It's got a nice little, you know, rally the last few days, but then it had an ugly candle on the Russell Day. Again, Russell Days, there's a lot of factors rebalancing happening there where you got to kind of look at those days just as one-offs. But um, you got to be careful when the rotation starts to go the other way. I mean, everybody thought Caterpillar, you know, if we go a month ago, was breaking out to new highs and it failed. And then, you know, obviously we've sold off significantly talking about, not a, not a small sell-off, 246 down to 206, 40 points. You're talking about 20% sell-off Caterpillar had in the better part of two weeks. So now you get a little bounce, bag holders all over the place in Caterpillar from 220 to 230. So it's tough to just go right back up because you have everybody who bought in March, April, May, June, hoping to get their money back. And if it gets up in that 225, 230, there's willing sellers up there. That's what we call about the overhead supply. So... The stock actually probably this was a, a counter trend rally that I think is to be sold now just from a technical basis. You know, you think, OK, maybe you get up to the 50 percent retracement, which you put in the 225 area. But, you know, we stalled out and put a double top there. 221 makes me not want to be long this unless we start to break out over 221. There's your caterpillar now. Oh, Joel's holding off on that. No, he did it. No, he did good. He did a good job on that one. We'll throw the next one to Joel. Yeah, no, I just uh, I just wanted to real quick. I just want to take a look at uh, NTLA. That's the hot stock mm-hmm. of the day, and uh, yeah, uh, not much. I mean, one thirty-seven. I mean, also another thing you get here is you know I don't like we said we didn't look up the short interest on that, but 
for the last hour or so, we've been holding 137. And if you want more continuation through that pre-market high, uh, take a look at uh, 144. S&P's just uh, creeping up near the high of the session, uh, 78.50. We're currently trading at 77.50. So I'm going to hop off here, go to premarketprep.com. I got a lot of stocks to cover there. And I'll let you guys take it from here. And Spencer, I'll see you at 3.30. All right, uh, and we got Matt Hammond here from IPO Warriors. It's big week in IPO week in IPO land. We got Krispy Kreme coming back to the markets. I know Dennis is excited for that one. So, what, what's the symbol going to be? Same one? Uh, I don't know. Matt Hammond, let's bring you on here. What, what's the Krispy Kreme symbol? D nut. D nut. It makes. Oh, that's a better <laughs> symbol. That's a better symbol. We want what? some donuts. What was it last time? It was like something with a K, right? It was, KD, uh, wasn't it? KD. Yeah, I think it was KKD. I thought it was KKD. But I that sounds that. right. That sounds right. All right. Thanks a lot, Dennis. We'll talk to yeah, you later. I got to hop off, Matt. All right. I'll be listening. All right, hey, guys. Thanks. What do, we got, what do we got in IPO land this week besides uh, besides Krispy Kreme? We have a ton of IPOs. We have about 21 on the slate, and we had a huge week last week. I had one of my kind of banner weeks. It was you know almost impossible to lose money. Did manage to make one uh, bad kind of bag holding one uh, with uh, MF, which was just a bad MF. Uh, that was Miss Fresh. It was a Chinese IPO in the grocery delivery sector, which uh, I guess they made a big retail allocation to all their customers in China, and a lot of them panic sold. So I think we'll be all right. It's way below the IPO price. It debuted way below the IPO price and then traded down from there. So it only has to come back a dollar for uh, to get us bag holders out. So not panicking, but otherwise we had a ton of wins. So since we have so much, um, quickly, how was your weekend, Spencer? Uh, it was fantastic. Fan- normal weekend. Got to go outside. It's pretty. It's pretty hot out there. It's pretty hot. Yeah, out there. We, had a, we had a warm, warm summer uh, weekend here out in uh, Kiev, Ukraine, as well. Um, but uh, not a whole lot of time to enjoy it because I was preparing for this uh, big week coming up. All right. Last week, we had 30% win opportunity in Sprinkler. It debuted below the IPO price, uh, which is a little bit surprising, given that the market wasn't particularly weak, and this name had some Twitter buzz around it. Once it debuted below the IPO, the Twitter buzz got even bigger, and it ended up climbing pretty pretty high uh, relative to the, uh, to the debut. Bond Natural, this was kind of one of those semi-stealth IPOs. I sent it out in the midweek newsletter. If you go to ipowarriors.com, sign up for the newsletter, you'll get these signals. It wasn't on the calendar last Monday. It got added like midday Monday. And this one went up through three halts. That was a great profit opportunity. Miro Matrix, uh, Biotech, didn't have time to play it because I was playing Bond and Docs. Um, and, uh, but it makes lab grown uh, organs or is just kind of in the early stages of it. Uh, the hype and the low float kind of built up throughout the day and it gave you a nice win opportunity. Doximity, this was kind of just the, you know, this was the home run pitch. You know, the pitcher just grooved this one and we're all sitting on our back legs just waiting to nail this one and it delivered uh, 35% win op. It's still going up in pre-market today. Uh, that this was just exactly what you're looking for. You go all in on this kind of IPO. We'll look at that one in a second. Acurix, this one again was a low float. Uh, biotech in the uh, with a good story. They it's a new approach to um, 
to treating infections. Uh, and then Alpha Technova continued the low float, this low float IPO trend starts to catch wind on Twitter every kind of few weeks. And when we have a hot market, people start just liking that it has a low float, that it's profitable, that it has a good story. And all of these have moved. So I'm going to be keeping an eye on those this week, along with some of the other blockbuster names that we have. Um, but when the market's hot, IPOs are pretty good, especially right now. The IPOs aren't debuting at ridiculous premiums like they were a year ago. And, you know, people are not shy when the market's good. People feel like going in and moving on these. And just like you guys were talking about a moment ago, you know, with IPOs, you have no short sellers because there's no shares available to sell. I can't go on E-Trade and short sell any of these IPOs, you know, for at least a few days after they start trading. So you've got no short sellers. And, and when demand shows up, there's just, it's very easy for demand to outstrip supply. And that dynamic is going to cause share prices to go up. And you guys were just talking about that a moment ago with the previous guest. And it applies to these hot IPOs. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for situations where the demand is likely to outstrip supply. And that's why when you have a low float IPO, you've got no short sellers anyway, there's a very good chance that the share price is going to go up. Uh, really quickly, this is CXM. We saw it was priced at, the IPO price was 16, which is up here. And then the debut price was 1460. Everybody saw this and said, wait, this isn't a bad company. Nine out of the 10, 10 top tech companies in the world use it. Nine out of the 10 top financial companies use it. Half of the Fortune 100 companies are using it. It can't be that bad. So people piled in, they sent it up to a first spike, went up to a second spike. If you sold on either of these, you know, congratulations. If you really held all the way through, you really you know, must have had some high conviction on this. Um, but this offered you nothing but win opportunities and was a solid play. Bond, this was the low float Chinese semi-stealth. It wasn't very well publicized. It kind of showed up a day before the IPO. Um, it does something like fragrance extracts or something like that for uh, perfume companies. Opened at 6.30 and just pretty much went straight into three halts. Uh, my strategy on these is to be taking out uh, my position out of each halt. You don't know which one's going to be the top one. As soon as it starts to come down, you want to be, you know, clearing everything out. Yeah, you can wait for this possible retracement, but the best play is just don't get stuck in, you know, what these ultimately usually become, which is, you know, below the IPO price. So take your money on the halts up, look for these low float uh, semi-stealth plays and uh, take your quick profits and move on. I like these. You don't have to sit around all day. It's, you know, 30 minutes here, 10 minute halt, 10 minute halt, 10 minute halt. You've taken a 20, 30% win. Mirror Matrix, this was the one I just talked about. They grow uh, livers and kidneys, or they're aiming to in labs. To give you the dollar discount on the drop from 12 down to 11, uh, from right there though, the low float kicked in and it came all the way up to 1652. So win opportunities all over the board. You, hold, you know, I don't like to sell for a loss on the first two days. There's such a good chance for a rebound that this one, if you did play it, you should have made money. Docs, this is the one we talked about. This was Doximity. They have 80% of the physicians in America are using this. I think Spencer, you talked about this. Uh, you guys had the CFO or the CEO on. Yeah, uh, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think you mentioned, is it, was it you that said your wife's a doctor and she even knows knew this one was coming up? Joel, uh, Joel's, Joel's wife. Joel, Joel. Joel. Yeah. So, so I start hearing that from people like, oh, you know, when they're average, I mean, they're not probably not even retail investors, but they're wealthy you know, individuals, doctors make money. And they were given allocations, they likely held them. Uh, so you didn't have a super high float to begin with. I think it was 23 million shares. You had a lot of wealthy professionals wanting to buy into it. It has a strong market share. It's profitable, plus growth, plus name brand, plus, plus a lowish float. I mean, this had everything lined up to be a home run play. And then it opened up at 41.17, went straight up into this first peak. If you took profits there, okay, great. You know, there's nothing wrong with being um, eager to make money. You didn't lose money. Came back down, didn't touch the bottom, which I like to see just because it feel you know, feels like, okay, well, I got the best price possible. Um, and then from there, it pretty much just took off as we expected. I had originally planned to hold for day two, but I had sort of a mental target in my mind that if it got to 50, I would take profits. And when I got that opportunity on day one, I, mean, I bought over a thousand shares. So locking in over you know, $10,000 win a day of trading on something, you know, it feels really good. You go into the evening, you know, relaxed and, uh, you know, you feel like major money. You're not going to maximize every trade, but you want to take profits when you see them. AXCP, this was a Network One financial uh, stock, which we've seen Bosted and Network One both deliver kind of low float IPOs that uh, have climbed up. So people sort of key in, in on that. And this one definitely had uh, some Twitter buzz around it. It opened up at 595, climbed up to seven. So if you got in on the debut and took out profits at seven, that's understandable. I mean, you made a dollar, you could have bought a thousand shares for uh, $6,000. That's, you know, a nice little win. But I did see this pattern show up where it kind of levels out in the 650 to seven social media buzz was growing. And I said, okay, well, when I see this formation right here going into, you know, about two o'clock range, uh, I decided to take a play on it, a second play on it at $7 and just wrote it up to $7.50. Uh, felt confident that it would go up to eight, but, you know, took a, a quick profit on a midday trade. And I'm trying to look for more opportunities off these IPO plays other than just buying in on the debut or just buying in on, you know, the initial discount dip. Um, and one of the patterns that I've seen repeating itself here is this sort of stabilization play that then leads to a breakout later in the day. And we'll see that we had that a bit on box as well. We had this, um, I can't zoom in on it, but it kind of dipped here, dipped here. And there was a bit of a stabilization with a flag right there. And that would have been a good time to, if you'd already sold out once to maybe say, okay, well, this is going to run again. We see this again and again, and I have started looking at that as, a, as an opportunity to buy in. TKNO is another one, low flow, profitable. They sell uh, kind of lab equipment and solutions for uh, over 3,000, you know, medical medicine creators, uh, pharmaceutical, biotech companies around the world. And with such a low float, it was 3 million shares or something, 5 million shares, it looked pretty poised to run and there's a lot of buzz around this as well got into 21 or 2070 and you had outs all over the place uh it gets a little bit harder on friday because it feels like 
these stocks aren't moving as fast as some of the ones earlier in the week and you sit there going, oh, you know, my wife wants me, wants my attention. My daughter, you know, wants to play with me. It's getting towards the end of the day Friday here. So I got out a little bit early of this one, but, uh, you know, still took profits. And everyone who was a little more patient had an opportunity to make a, a really good trade on this one. So let's jump into next week's trades. Uh, I've kind of divided this up into two slides, the more featured IPOs and then the kind of background players. Doesn't mean that these are the best trades. The background players below floats can be you know, some of the more interesting and profitable ones to trade. But these are the headliners that everyone should be aware of. Um, and I'm going to skip the first slide and jump to the details because we have about 10 minutes here, 20 minutes here maximum. So Ding Dong Mai Tsai, this is a Chinese IPO that does grocery delivery. Uh, they have 10% of the market share. They're SoftBank and Tiger Global backed. Uh, they're not profitable and there's a lot of competition in this market. Uh, and also just like Miss Fresh on Friday, they've scaled down their IPO uh, size. And since MF was a dud, and I'm gonna see if MF recovers a little bit earlier in the week before uh, making a decision to play DDL does have you know about the same float as Miss Fresh, I guess uh, actually a bit lower, but uh, there's a bit of concern about anything Chinese in the delivery market right now, just because there's so much competition, there's regulation, and, and whereas maybe two weeks ago I said, yeah, this one looks really strong. We've had a few duds off the kind of middle tier Chinese IPOs, and there might be other more interesting plays for me this week that I don't want to get hung up on. Ding dong. Uh, okay, we've got Zometry, which is an online marketplace for on-demand manufacturing. Uh, they do have growing revenue and gross profits, uh, but operating losses. They are somewhat com comparable to 3D Systems, which jumped quite a bit on a partnership announcement last week. Uh, there's a very low float on this one, which makes this worth at least doing a little bit more research. Um, but there's other more interesting plays on Wednesday, so I'm not sure if I'll play this one. One of the more interesting ones is Sentinel One. Uh, this is a, an AI-driven cloud security uh, platform for you know to guard against cyber attacks. We've all seen the news recently. We all know cyber security is super hot, and they've got growing revenue and gross profits, operating a loss, which is I think acceptable in this market for uh, you know growth security software company. Uh, revenue is up 100% 2020 versus 2019. And the float is kind of standard 32 million shares. I see kind of like a low downside to this one unless it debuts at a huge premium. And these types of plays have given win opportunities. I don't expect this to just skyrocket like docs, but I do see this as a strong one to play and uh, pay perhaps take a half position to start and if it dips double down and otherwise just be happy with uh, you know taking a you know a moderate win on on Sentinel one uh, intap this is a SaaS software for industry verticals legal accounting investment banking they claim a lot of buzzwords like AI automation cloud security but they're not really a specialist in any of these fields to me it kind of looks like a web development company that decided to identify a bunch of uh, key verticals and go out and build you know, all the solutions for giving them websites and um, web marketing and some software management stuff. 
And they do have, I guess, 96 out of 100 American AM law, top 100 law firms, seven out of 10 top accounting firms, um, but they're not profitable and growth is slowing. So the float of just, you know, 10.5 million shares, maybe it's interesting. I'm not sure it's the most interesting play on the calendar that week. So or that day. So I think this one might have to just take a backseat to some of the others like LegalZoom. Most of us have heard of LegalZoom. They do a lot of advertising and they <clears throat> handle a lot. Of, I've set up corporations through LegalZoom. It's about a hundred bucks to set up a Delaware Corp or a Nevada Corp or LLC. And they do legal software and services to small businesses. They have growing revenue and gross profits and they're cash flow positive. So that's kind of the golden triangle of you know the financials that we're looking for in these IPOs. 27.3 revenue growth revenue growth in the three months ending March 31st, 2021. So we've got strong brand, brand name recognition. We've got revenue growth. We've got profitability. We've got people who have used a lot of retail, you know, investors probably used these legal zoom services and a lowish float of 19 million shares. So this has all the ingredients that I'm looking for, for a nice IPO play. So my June 30th plays are probably going to be legal zoom Sentinel, and uh, I think we've got Krispy Kreme. So we've got a very full, we can't play them all, otherwise you're spreading your capital out and you're not focused. And you want to try to, I try to pick, you know, two or three to focus on and play those. Uh, but I want to review the rest of these at least briefly so you know what else is on the calendar. So the next one is CVRX, and this is a neurostimulation device that already has FDA approval, which is kind of interesting. Uh, it's a minimally invasive device that is implanted under the collarbone and it provides a treatment for heart failure. Uh, basically like reads the signals from the brain that indicate that, hey, there might be something, you know, coming up the heart, stimulates those uh, nerves and then reduces, you know, the, the chance of having a, you know, cardiac arrest or something like that. So basically they're already ready to start, you know, selling and marketing this. They just need money to you know, to power that uh, promotion engine. So they're also looking for new applications of this nerve technology. And with a float of just 6.25 million shares, if there's some downtime or, or if this one comes to market before the others, the, the other bigger ones, which is pretty common on a, you know, a crowded IPO day, lower float, easier to pair up the shares. If this comes to market first, you might be able to pick up a quick scalp on this one and then jump, you know, roll your profits from this trade into some of the other bigger ones of the day. Uh, Clear Secure, this one you've probably seen in airports. For those of you who have flown in the last couple of years, it's a little bit like the TSA pre-check. Um, Clear Secure allows you to skip the lines at check-in and security and you cruise right through uh, the airport. Um, this company went bankrupt in 2009 and then was bought out by the current management group and has now made a bit of a comeback. It's also a Robinhood IPO offering. And, you know, a lot of Robinhood investors think that this is a great opportunity to buy in. They do have a 30 day lockup, which kind of makes this interesting. If they sell a lot of shares to Robinhood and those shares are locked up for 30 days, that would reduce the supply on the day of the IPO. So we do have some brand name recognition. We do have, uh, you know, a lowish float. We have this little curveball of Robinhood, you know, giving giving an IPO offering. But again, we have a very crowded day, and I'm not sure this one is going to be the you know the play of the day. So 
probably skipping this one too. Uh, Integral Ad Sciences. This is an online digital advertising monitoring and verification, a little bit like Double Verify, which did pretty well on its debut and is up from the IPO price, but it did have a bit of a dip about a week after the, the IPO. Uh, this company has you know solid growth. They're operating at break even, uh, lowish float. So this one's kind of like got the right ingredients. I don't know if it has the brand recognition as, you know, like we have in some of the other options for the day. Uh, so again, I have to kind of see how crowded things are, where I want to stake my positions and do a little bit more research on this one before it's a go for me. And then Krispy Kreme, we talked about this. Donuts and coffee. If you don't know what Krispy Kreme is, maybe you don't live in America or you're not, I mean, even if you don't like the food or you're a health nut, you still know what Krispy Kreme is. They also own Insomnia Cookies, which is highly profitable. Uh, revenue surged in Q1 2021, uh, $321 million for the quarter versus $261 million in Q1 2020. They initially IPO'd in 2000. Excuse the typo there, guys. We had a lot to do this week. Um, they went private in 2016, and now they're coming back. Uh Interestingly, back before they went private, they had a very high short interest. They were kind of like the OG meme short squeeze. And so if you're interested in how short squeezes, you know, kind of got turned on before social media and uh, Wall Street bets were a thing, uh, maybe look that up. It's an interesting little side research process project. Um, so the funds that they're using are mostly just to cover the debt that they incurred when they pivoted and modernized the business. They've gone to, they're developing kind of more like a direct delivery. Uh, they're not making everything just in each single uh, Krispy Kreme. They're making some, you know, pre-processing to some of the ingredients and stuff nearby and then uh, delivering it out to the kind of network uh, distributor locations. And they incurred a lot of debt with that. They built some apps and they have some online delivery stuff. And now they are using a lot of the proceeds from this to pay down, not all of, but much of their debt. Uh, some people have pointed out that, some analysts have pointed out concerns over the valuation at 70 times price earnings. Uh, I don't think that matters so much when you've just got a stock that is very high on the brand recognition level. I mean, this is one of the, uh, leading breakfast fast food type things in the country. And the float is not all that big. So you have 26 million shares. And there is a much larger, you know, there's a much larger number of shares that will be available on the market after the lockup period expires in 180 days. So I wouldn't look at now as a great time to buy in for a long position. But Krispy Kreme has enough brand recognition, has enough of a story, has a low enough float for me to say, yeah, this is like the kind of IPO that I'm looking forward to play. Uh, DD, this is the Chinese Uber. They actually beat Uber out of China for ride sharing. They got Uber to basically run out of China with its tail between its legs, couldn't compete on the regulations. It, I think it was, they got some shares of DD as part of it. Uh, they also operate in South America. They have a very high value, valuation. Uh, shrinking profit margins, and the float is 288 million shares. So for me, over 100 million shares is already just sort of like, hmm, how much demand can there be? 
so I don't like to play the huge float. Uber was a terrible IPO. Uh, last week we saw YMM, or two weeks ago, YMM was another Chinese IPO with something like 80, 80 something million shares and it didn't do well. When you have that many shares, just what we were just talking about, the demand has to be so high for it to offset the supply. And we haven't seen ride shares do all that well on their debuts. So even though this is a kind of blockbuster name, especially for Chinese investors, if I miss it, I miss it. There's other plays that are more interesting for me on this day. Okay, a AMTD Digital has been rescheduled twice now. And this is Asian Digital Banking Services. I don't really like it when something like this gets rescheduled twice. And the reasons are due to market conditions and regulatory uh, pressures from the Chinese government. Uh, the Chinese government really kind of killed BABA over the last few months. Uh, there's a lot of concern in the sector right now for anything Chinese financial related. And now it's got me, whereas maybe two weeks ago, I was pretty interested in this one. Now I'm a little bit more hesitant. And again, there's other plays that I like better. So probably skip this one now. Uh, Aerovate Therapeutics, inhaled dry powder to deliver medicine directly to the lungs, a kind of cardiopulmonary disease candidate. It's just in phase one, not ultra low, shit float, biotech. I don't understand it. Skip it. Uh, Acumen Pharmaceuticals. This is sort of interesting just because it's Alzheimer's candidate. Uh, still just finished phase one. Phase two isn't until 2023. So you're you're funding phase two with this investment round. You're going to see dilution before phase three, and that's going to be years from now. The only thing interesting about this is that everything Alzheimer's has been super hot recently, especially since the FDA kind of waved through Biogen's recent uh, phase three trial and gave approval on a drug that a lot of doctors said, uh, I don't know if it's really ready. And you even had FDA board members resign because they're like, this is out of hand. Um, shares of uh, BIIB uh, went up as high as 60% on the day of the announcement. So Alzheimer's has been pretty hot, uh, but this is really early stage biotech, so 8.3 million shares. It's worth watching it. If it comes out early, maybe I'll play it. I'll kind of gauge the Twitter buzz on this. Um, worth keeping an eye on, but uh, not, not my favorite play of the week either. A Tour Lifestyle Holdings, ATAT. Is a Chinese hotel operator that does a special kind of lifestyle branding uh, approach where they work, you know, they develop products and place them in the hotel rooms, kind of like luxury goods, and then allow people to buy them through like barcode or website. And they have a huge amount of rooms. They operate over 70,000 rooms in 608 hotels they own, and then another 575 hotels that they've manichized, which is a word I think they made up for managed franchises, other hotels that kind of participate in their offerings. They have incredibly strong revenue growth, 108% uh, in the three months ending March 31st, 2021, and a low-ish float. Uh, but I just don't know enough about this company. I don't know enough about the demand. And again, when there's other things, I'm not trying to play every single one of these. I want to prioritize what are the strongest plays of the day. And I'm not sure this one is going to be uh, the play that I want to jump into, but I'm going to keep an eye on it. All right. D-Market Electronic Services and Trading. It's a big mouthful. Uh, it's a Turkish e-commerce platform that sells and develops kind of in-game item trading. 
Um, as I understand it, there's kind of like the guns and the costumes and the avatar enhancements within games. They have some kind of cross-platform uh, technology that allows you know apps and game developers to implement their monetiza monetization kind of, of these, I guess, goods. Uh, and it includes some fancy buzzwords like blockchain and DeFi. Uh, and they have incredibly strong revenues from 2019 to 2020. Uh, the float is pretty large, and I'm not sure that there's enough retail brand recognition on this one to move the, the needle, but it's an interesting company. It has all the right buzzwords. I'd like to see a lower float, um, but keep an eye on it. Evercommerce, SaaS solutions for small and mid-sized business services, 500,000 customers, profitable and revenue growth, and 19 million share float. This is a Probably a pretty solid play. We just have a very crowded lineup. I will probably try to get something in on this one and keep an eye on it, but uh, we have others. Torrid Holdings, apparel and intimates for plus-size women. You know, insert your mama joke here. Uh, market is large and growing, according to their S1. Uh, their net income declined during the pandemic, 8 million shares. Uh, I don't know, not sexy to me. No, I don't mean that in the, not to be derogatory. It's not a, uh, I'm not, it's just not an interesting IPO for me. Uh, Nixawa, right. we got a wrap. Yeah, we got a wrap, Matt. Yeah, we got, we got a basic. Keep an eye on these three, RGCB, MITQ, VRAR. They haven't been dated yet. They are super low float. One of them is um, a Boasted Securities IPO. I'll send out a newsletter. Go sign up, ipowarriors.com. The newsletter will go out in a couple hours with uh, more details on these. I know that was a lot. Uh, get ready to trade. All right. Thanks a lot, Matt Hammond. joins us every Monday on Pre-Market Prep to preview the week in IPOs, ipowarriors.com uh, to learn more. All right, guys. That's a wrap for our show. Money Mitch is going to be live right now trading the open He'll go for about an hour, and then I will pick up where he left off, and we'll hang out until 11 o'clock until SPACs attack. No David Green this week. He's got his uh, his, his boot camp for his, um, his private subscribers. So, everyone, please remember that all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or training advice. Thanks to our guests, Tim Quast and Matt Hammond. Thanks to all of you in our chat. If you could drop us a like, I would greatly appreciate that. And subscribe. There's our bell. That's my cue. I'm off. Money Mages on. This is going to redirect straight to that. Everyone have a good rest of your day. I will see you in about an hour. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.